Hello, my name is Joanna and I welcome you to the Johanna Tarkonis City Construction of CPDSD podcast. In this episode, I will talk about triggers. This time, we go over how we can remove them with the first two steps. The rest comes next week. The hunt and removal of triggers is integral to the healing process. I just want to remind you to not do this unless you are stable. Your waters need to be calm as you will take a hit. You will take a small dip after this and need a few days break after it. This is going to take a lot of energy. So really make sure you are stable enough. So for a short summary, what do we do? First, we ensure we have enough energy and are in safe enough environment. Secondly, I recommend working yourself up from a small trigger to a big one. But if you're not used to it, the small ones are hard to find, as they don't cause such a strong reaction. But the big ones are hard to handle. As much as they are easy to find, they also cause the biggest havoc, and you also get the other triggers usually. So, it depends. Pick a target that you think you can manage. With time, you will be able to spot them easily. And then move from there. Thirdly, we follow the trigger's trail and push right into the heart of it. This is really kind of a rabbit hole and not always easy to navigate. But I will try to do my best to give pointers. Fourthly, we resolve the core of that trigger. In this way, we remove it. I assume this is the step most people have issues with. That's why I want to do the step with several examples. And the final step is to make sure the trigger is truly gone and not just dormant. This is the most common mistake people make. Thinking the PTSD or trigger is gone, but it's just dormant. Which then leads for it to return in full swing weeks, months, years or decades later by quietly leeching of energy. The problem with most triggers are that they are invisible, similar to a hidden trap, until you stepped into it. Then it's too late. And unlike a weird trap, you can figure out and unlike a weird trap, you can figure a way out of it. The trigger is invisible, a non-visible enemy. So our fight or flight response just makes us freeze or have a reaction. May it be an emotional outburst or something else. Your body basically tries to fight a tiger that isn't there and so the body doesn't know what to do with his energy. But how do I find triggers? I mean it's easy to know when you are triggered strongly but what exactly was it? It can take hours until the triggered response goes into full triggered mode. You watched a movie and don't know what exactly did it? You keep reacting but have no clue what did it? It is actually pretty hard to find them. The most simple instruction is, go where it hurts. But since that is hardly enough, I decided to make the next episode about just that. Most likely titled, How to hunt down triggers. As you usually have already a few triggers at hand, and know pretty well about them, but just not yet how to move them, 
I talk, it's best to clear that up first. And once you got those, you will want to know how to find the rest. But first, let's clear how to remove them once you found them. First, make sure the memory is what is causing the trigger. Yes, one memory or moment. Most likely one sentence is what is causing the problem. The sentence you thought or said in that moment is that key. You need to know it, as it is basically the position of the trigger, its hiding spot, sort of the secret entrance to the enemy's secret base. You will get a response when you hear the sentence, the trigger. You have to watch yourself, just very careful for that. Try a bit around until you find it. Some examples are the song that played during the car crash as a core trigger for what you saw during the crash. The sentence, you will never make it, summarizing. The year-long emotional abuse of a parent or another authority figure. The smell of your year-long abuser, maybe the aftershave, sweat, fast food or other things. The sound of the taps played at the soldier's funeral to summarize the loss. And so on. It must have a direct connection, but not necessarily a logical one. Your brain made that connection. No matter how illogical it seems, but that is the connection that is there. The most famous trigger I heard of from American veterans are the fireworks at July 4th. This is most likely connected to the sound of explosives used during combat. But the same rule applies here. The fireworks aren't connected to any explosion, but to a specific one. One moment that summarizes everything or symbolizes everything. Your brain hears the fireworks and remembers that moment. And then everything just flashes over you. Or later. There are many ways to try to locate the memory. But that I will go over in a later episode. But for now, we move on. The second step is to find the real problem with the memory. Because facts don't matter. A trigger is an emotional response. It doesn't follow the rules of logic. As said before, it's emotional. The trauma and the trigger both. That someone died even if it's your friend, that is also a fact, as cool that may sound. You can't change anything about facts, but you can change how you feel about them. Usually what is really triggering are the emotions and feelings that were involved in that moment, or the sentence or thought you had in connection to it. But facts can help us. They help us identify the situation and what was all involved. As our brain has sometimes a tendency in strong emotional moments to remember things differently. This will remain relevant. An example for it is losing something. The problem isn't what you lost, but why you can't let it go. Why do you feel you can't let it go? Another example is darkness. The problem isn't the darkness. The problem, what you fear, hides in the darkness. 
so the trigger is what you fear that hides in the darkness, and not the darkness, and so on. I just want to say that I have to keep things incredible broad. This is so that most people can use it, but it is not as helpful for a specific case. I can help better if I know more details or if it's about more specific cases. I just try to grab as much of it as I can to reach as many as possible. I plan to go into different types of abuse, situations, etc. later on to give more specific help. But it is still better if I get a question or a specific scenario. And that is where I have to split it. I am sorry, but this episode got way too long and I am in no position to make an episode that long at the moment. Nor, to be honest, would I have otherwise. I just completely underestimated how long this episode would end up being. I mean, I could have cut examples and shortened it, but I feel like that wouldn't have sufficed. So, I rather split it. This episode turning into the longest, and that is not really a good thing. And then there is the move of last week, which was chaotic, if you put it mildly. I ended up having to do two moves at the same time, which was extremely exhausting, and took a few of my days. It's a long story. My autism is killing me at the moment. New surroundings, new routine, no familiar personal around. A lot I have to decide and I have to set up my flat on the side too. It is manageable and it will be no big deal relatively soon. But autism really doesn't like moving. Or change at all to be fair. But we get there. I am sorry for the inconveniences along the way. That was it for today's episode. I hope it helped you. If not, please tell me so. Next week we are going to tackle the remaining steps to remove these triggers. Despite this being just part one, I hope you still liked it. You find the transcripts and more information as usually under johannatraconis.com slash podcast. Links are also in the description and I hope I see you next time. Watch yourselves and have a wonderful time.